welcome to Confidence and Creativity, a show where we encourage you to show up for yourself and express your confidence and creativity in business and in life. I'm your host, Samantha McCoy, founder and CEO of Mission Key Communications, and I'm so grateful to spend this time with you today. Let's get into the show. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode. I am so excited to have you all joining today. And today is such a special episode. If you're listening to the podcast version of Confidence and Creativity, this is actually our final podcast for season one. So thank you all so much for listening to our first season as a podcast. It has been an amazing journey, definitely a stretch for my own. confidence and creativity, but we've had eight episodes in this season. So if you've missed any of the previous ones, definitely go back and listen. And if you want to watch the YouTube versions, you can do that. And we are Mission Key TV on YouTube. So I'm so excited today for this episode because I wanted to close the first season with something that we haven't done yet. And that is to do kind of a group chat conversation about a really pressing topic, trending topic. And so I am so excited to have three amazing women joining me today. And they are personal friends of mine. I have known them individually for years and had the wonderful opportunity last year to bring them together. And we are now connected and have been just encouraging each other and just connecting on so many different things. And so I wanted to bring them together to talk about the topic of imposter syndrome. And it's funny because I thought about doing this early last year, but I figured, you know, imposter syndrome, it's just kind of this buzzword. It's going to come in, go out, and maybe it really won't be relevant in 2021. Well, 2021 is here and I have seen multiple resources multiple times a month talking about imposter syndrome. It is very real. It is still here. People are still talking about it. So I wanted to get these ladies' perspective because they are amazing in their fields, in their career, their family, their business, all different aspects of life. And so I just thought they could bring some very insightful um, perspectives to this topic. So without further ado, I'm going to have each of them um, introduce themselves. I'm just going to shout them out as I see them on my screen. So I am going to start with Keisha. Great. Thank you so much for having me, Samantha. My name is Lakeisha Malden, and I am a cloud delivery associate manager for a very large um, management consultant firm in the area. Um, I've been there for two years now, um, and I was at my previous organization for 15 years doing very similar work. Something that makes me feel confident is actually just having on a really cute outfit. It's something about just, you know, having my lipstick popping or, you know, the pixie is just like hitting the right angle for the day. No matter what's going on, I just feel like really, really good. So I could be having the worst day ever and look in the mirror like, Girl, that lipstick and that outfit is working, and I just feel like I can take on the world. So I'm really excited to be here um, with you ladies to just engage in this conversation and um, see what we got next. Yes, excellent. Thank you so much, Keisha. I'm so glad to have you. And next we have Sharice. Hello, hello. Thanks for having me, Samantha. I'm so happy to be here. Hello, everyone. I'm Sharice Hopkins. I am a human rights attorney and advocate and have been doing this work for the past five years. And previously, I um, was doing something completely different and working in the private sector for a Fortune 50 company. And um, same thing, like getting cute, um, getting dressed up, especially I believe hair is an accessory. So when that accessory is right, I feel super confident. Excellent. And last, but definitely not least, we have Dr. Amy Cole Smith. I don't know if she has her PhD yet, guys, but she's getting one. So I just have been calling her Dr. Smith for a very long time. So go ahead and introduce yourself. (laughs) Thank you, Samantha. So we're looking at like May-ish for that to happen. But anyway, um, 
So uh, my name is Amy Cole Smith. Uh, I work in DC. I'm a policy and advocacy employee for higher education. Um, I've been doing that work for almost three years. Uh, most of my work is advocating on behalf of our HBCUs and our other MSIs. So I would say what makes me feel confident and creative, just like uh, Sharice and Keisha said, you know, a, a good outfit, especially if I have to go on the hill, on the hill, if I have a real nasty heel on, there's nothing you can tell me. Absolutely nothing. <laughs> Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you, ladies, so much. I'm so excited to have you all join and talk about this topic. So I want to start us off with just setting the stage and setting a, I guess, an, an official or as close to official as I can get definition of imposter syndrome. So I was reading in the Harvard Business Review and their definition, they say that imposter syndrome is loosely defined as doubting your abilities and feeling like a fraud. It disproportionately affects high achieving people who find it difficult to accept their accomplishments. Many question whether they're deserving of accolades. Psychologist Pauline Rose Clance and Susan Imes developed the concept originally called imposter phenomenon. And this was back in 1978 in their study that focused on high achieving women. They posited that despite outstanding achievements and professional accomplishments, women who experience the imposter phenomenon persist in believing that they really are not bright and have fooled anyone who thinks otherwise. Wow. <laughs> so that's a lot just to, to get started. And I actually, before reading this article, didn't know that that term had been um around since 1978, right? So I guess what have, what do you all think about that definition? And whoever wants to answer first, Ken, uh, when did you first learn about imposter syndrome and what has been your first experience with it? Um, so I learned about imposter syndrome probably about five years ago. And um I mean, the definition that they say is definitely correct, but I would say like through my like reading more into it, you have a lot of people who are coming out now saying that imposter syndrome does not even exist. It's more of kind of a mental thing. Yeah. But my rebuttal to that is you cannot take away from someone's lived experience. Mm. You know, you can't sit there and tell them you don't have imposter syndrome and something else. To me, you can relate that to someone saying they're going through it. They want to see a counselor, but your response is no, just pray about it. Mm. So you can never take away from somebody's lived experience. So I would say with imposter syndrome, me personally, um, what I have dealt with on just my own uh, personal journey, um, because the field I work in is, you know, majority men and majority white men at that. So when I'm in the room, anytime those feelings come up, I have to check myself. I have to check myself. And I also have to ask myself, who am I doing this for? So I think of the brown and black, uh, you know, college students who are behind me who want me to advocate for them at the table. And I can't walk or sit at the table if I have something in my mind that's saying, saying that I'm not good enough because I think that that will project onto what I'm trying to convey. So also, I also do it for my son because when if he decides to go to college, he needs to know that you can walk at the room, you earned your seat at the table, and more than likely, you should have the biggest chair at the table because you probably know more than them anyway. Wow, that's good. I would um, just hop right in and absolutely agree with everything that um, Dr. Amy said. <laughs> um, <laughs> we're just going to call her that for the show. We, guys. Just so just we hope it. she doesn't mind. We're just we're just claiming that <laughs> it's only a couple more months to go. Yes, you, you already yes. got it. So go ahead. Yes. <laughs> Very similar to you, Samantha. I was surprised just in my research and reading that it had this term has been around since the 70s. I think my first encounter with it was probably a few years ago when just talking with other people, they were able to actually put a name on what I had been experiencing that I thought were just nerves or, 
you know, not feeling good enough. I was never really able to put a term around it. Mm -hmm. I just felt, like you said, as a very high achieving person, a perfectionist, I just always felt like, man, am I doing enough? Um, I work in the IT field. So again, I'm always in the room with a, it's a very male dominated um, population. We see here more now that that shift is kind of changing just with more of the push for women in STEM and technology. Um, But it really kind of made me feel good on one hand that I wasn't alone because other people were like, hey, I have this same, you know, feeling. And then being able to identify what it was, I think, helped me to to get a grasp um, on it. I totally agree with what uh, Amy mentioned that, you know, when you throw terms around, if it's not your lived experience, it's very easy to dismiss. Um, But I think now that it is we're having more conversations about it. I'm glad because I think it's freeing people and it's allowing us to kind of really talk it out and get to the root of where did this start? This is not a new term that just started in 2020. This has been going on since the 70s. And I thought it was very interesting that her study was specifically around women. Um, So it just goes into, and I'm sure we'll talk about that, you know, why we may feel like we don't um, deserve, you know, a seat at the table that we don't deserve our position. So I'm actually glad that um, they it's now being brought more to the light and that we have these spaces to um, talk about it. And having kind of a background also in counseling, I think the next step is to, even though you're able to um, identify what it is, to not use it as a crutch. I think that's probably the next place that we need to go because it's easy to just say, well, I have imposter syndrome, but once you know you have it, you know, what are you going to do about it? So I'm I'm glad to, you know, be having this conversation with you all and, you know, bringing light to conversations that are not always easy to have um, because we have to feel like we're strong and, you know, it's okay. And no, <laughs> it's not always like that. When you're sitting in the room with, you know, five men talking about migrating servers over to, you know, the next form of cloud and they're looking at you like, you know, girl, what are you doing here? And I'm thinking to myself, well, do I deserve to be here? And it's like, no, Keisha, you do. You do this deserve a seat at this table. Um, so I would just say I, I, I agree with the definition. I think it is a real thing. And I think it's important to have these conversations about the topic. I so agree. And I, I just, I definitely resonate with the power of having language to be able to name and speak to these things. Um, I only recently heard the term, I won't say recently, but within the past few years, heard the term imposter syndrome. But I could definitely say experienced it before that. And so I think there's such power to be able to have the language to say, this is what I'm experiencing. And then to Keisha's point, then like after you've been able to name this thing, then that equips you to be able to tackle it. Because how do you tackle something when you don't even understand what it is that you're going through? And I didn't realize that, you know, this the study, you know, took place in the seventies that people were talking about since then, but it makes sense. Right. You know, I think, um, whenever we think about like the women's liberation movement, the civil rights movement, right. And how like those of us who were for so long historically excluded from different spaces started to be able to move into them. Right. But like, you weren't just excluded. There was a narrative that went through it that was saying that like we were excluded because we didn't belong there. And so I think it goes back to Dr. Amy's point about, you know, lived experiences, because whenever we deny people's lived experiences, it's just another form of of erasure, you know? So it's really important, I think, for us to not just talk about this in terms of our individual experiences, but like this broader context of like, okay, like maybe part of it is in, in our head or impacting our thinking, but that doesn't mean it's not disconnected from things happening externally. Yeah, yeah, no, all great points, all great points. So where... Do we think this connection between imposter and women specifically came from? Because I'm thinking, you know, I'm sure men and women have both had instances where maybe they didn't feel like they belonged somewhere in some space for some reason. But do you think that it is worse for women or more enhanced for women because of the way that society, our society is, and I'll say American society is, 
Or do you think that men could have it too and just people aren't talking about it? I think that men can have it too, but I believe it's probably more enhanced on the women's side of it. That's because, you know, like if you look historically, um, you look historically where a woman, where a woman was placed. Mm -hmm. So if it was a woman's job to take care of the home, rear the children and things like of that nature, um, while the man went out to work, but then when, when the role started to, to change, then it, you know, the field, a lot of the fields were already male dominated. So then you have these women coming through, you know, trying to shatter the glass ceiling. And if it's already male dominated, then they have already set their own culture. So then you have mm-hmm. the women coming in, trying to like make it a bit more equitable for them to be there. So that's why now you, you still have, you know, certain organizations that don't have rooms for a woman to breastfeed, you know, you know, you have certain, you know, organizations that, you know, they still don't understand why a woman needs to be off so long for maternity leave. And, you know, if you look at maternity leave in the U.S., that says it all right there. You know, you look at things of that nature because, you know, the women are considered the caregivers. So when it's more enhanced for a woman, we expect women to, you know, kind of buck up and, you know, just be okay. But at the same time, we still want them to rear, rear the children at the same time. And as a mother, I will tell you, it's very hard to do both because not only are you having imposter syndrome at work, sometimes you can have it with your own children because mm. you're asking yourself, am I spending enough time with my child? If I'm spending this much time with my child, then the question is, what am I not giving to work and vice versa? So yeah. I believe it's more enhanced and just also quick note, I'm prior military. So with <laughs> that's very male dominated. Yeah. And the field that I worked at in the military, I mean, you had this many women who were in my field of work and, you know, the culture within the military alone, you know, with the jokes and things like that, you know, they expect you to just suck it up because, you know, mm. this is the military. But I would always rebuttal and say, no, this is the male military. So you guys can have your culture right there. But let me tell you what you're not going to say to me. Mm. You know, we're we'll, we're all serving in the United States Air Force, but there is no need for the disrespect. You can right. say it to her if she likes it, but you're not going to say it to me. And that's to that. Yes, that was great. And I so agree. Right. And it's not just the, um, you know, still having places where there's no um, maternity leave policy or there's no rooms to breastfeed. It's It's also right. Like the things that we're told about that impact our thinking, you know, it's like, even before we're in a space, you know, we're told like, you're going to have to work twice as hard. Um, you're going to have to stay later, you know, and, um, you know, if it's the single person, you know, then it's like, Oh, you're single, you don't have kids. So then they're going to expect you to really put in the time and the hours. And so I think it's also, you know, that we are not only are they like physically not making space for us, but then it's like, we're also being taught these messages. And so we're internalizing them. So like, yeah, we're going to have like these high expectations for ourselves or, or question, you know, whether or not we belong in spaces when we're told, you know, that we literally have to do more to be deserving to be there. And then once we're there, we're going to have to do more to, to be able to, to keep it. Like, it's interesting because there's almost like a, um, I do a lot of anti-violence work. And so you see the things about, you know, like the bystander support, but it's like, you also see that like being coached on that in workplaces, like, oh, you know, it's like, be sure to, to help your colleague, you know, because she might say something and it won't be heard, but the guy will say what she just said and it's heard. So like, let's support each other and be like, oh yes, that was great when, when Lakeisha said it. And so it's like, even in like the pushback, right? It's it's not um, incumbent on organizations or men, whoever it may be, to change their thinking. But it's like we have to adapt what we do to try mm-hmm. to get them to value our opinion. So yeah. Um, yeah, so I think it, you know, men may experience it, but the reality is, is that men and women are socialized differently. Um, and when it comes to a lot of of spaces, you know, it is, you know, we're socialized in a way to. Um, you know, doubt ourselves or to have to carry things and to center the needs of other people. And so it can make it, I think, very easy to fall into imposter syndrome, um, whatever space that may be that we're holding. Yeah. Yeah. No, that that's that's definitely true. I think the term imposter is very interesting because it kind of makes you, it forces you to think, okay, if you're the imposter, 
who is the real deal, right? So who do we think we're comparing ourselves to or who do we think is the real deal? Ooh, that is a, <laughs> a weighty question. Um, something that Amy mentioned earlier that I thought was great. Imposter syndrome doesn't always just show up in the workplace. You know, it could be in your inner circles as well. And I think sometimes that's where the comparison piece comes in. So specifically for me, when I think about, okay, what is the real version or what I'm comparing myself to as a woman in technology, um, being in spaces where one, um, like we just mentioned, I feel like I have to be a certain way uh, because of expectations or narratives that have been created about me, uh, women, Black women, you know. So I tend to look at what I think it should be because I'm looking at the room around me thinking, well, if it is predominantly male, do I need to, you know, change. I'm more of a compassionate person. You know, I can be soft-spoken. Those are qualities that I, that I have that I like about myself. But if I'm in meetings with people that are not like me, it may make me feel like, well, this is what I see. So in order to continue on this path, I need to talk differently. I need to dress a certain way. If I like pink lipstick and you know, a black and white blazer. If I don't see that around me, (laughs) if I don't see that around me, do I need to change it? So really, I think it just depends on the person. It depends on the space that you're in. You know, even when I really love, like I said, what Amy said about imposter syndrome, even outside of the workplace, as a wife, as a mother, you know, you may look at other people and look at how they live their lives and think, well, I don't deserve to be here. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I don't deserve to have, you know, a child. I don't deserve to have um, a husband or a, a spouse. And it may cause you to, again, think things that are really not true um, because you are comparing yourself to what you think the ideal is instead of really embracing who you are as a person. Um, so I think that the comparison piece and the imposter syndrome kind of go hand in hand, but it really just depends on what it is that you're looking at. Because I may compare myself, for example, to Sharice and think, wow, we're sitting in the same room. I don't deserve to be here um, because I don't look like her, because I don't talk like her. And she may be looking at something totally different. So I really just think it depends on the space that you're in, what you have been taught, um, what you think is important. And again, the environments that you're in. I will say that my company has done a great job of creating more spaces um, for you know, women in technology. And it is uncomfortable, I'll be honest, but we have to still push through um, in spite of it being uncomfortable for normal people because the reality is we're, we're going to be there. Um, I love what Michelle Obama said, occupy the seat. So whether you like it or not, we're going to be sitting at the table, right? Yeah. We have to be confident um, in that space and know that even if we're we're doing it and we don't really feel comfortable there, still sit in that place and and day by day, you know, moment by moment, shift shift the narrative in your own mind and shift the narratives of those that are around us. That's good, really good. So, um, I know that you all have, I'm amazing career journeys, business journeys, ministry journeys. What is something that keeps you going in those moments when you do have that self-doubt? Have you felt like it's gotten easier as you have kind of moved up into different positions, gotten more years of experience, or do you still have kind of those same moments that you did, you know, when you were younger? Just talk about that a little bit. I think for me, it's actually gotten harder sometimes only because the responsibility 
is bigger, um, you know, and the things that I'm aiming for are, are bigger, uh, especially, um, you know, I really experienced some imposter syndrome when I transitioned careers. So I think mm. for me, like one of my triggers is like new experiences. Um, cause you know, I'm feeling like I have something to prove. Um, and so I remember, for example, this time last year, I was at a meeting with people um, who are experts in the anti-trafficking space. And I had interacted with, with them before, hadn't really thought about it because I thought it was like as a representative of my organization. And then we had like the first in-person meeting I could attend. And through the conversation, I was like, oh, no, these are people like here in their individual capacity as experts. And then my brain started freaking out, like, why am I at this table? You know, like when I thought I was just referring my org, that was one thing when I was like, oh, everyone's like experts in their own rights. Then like comparison started getting really big. And so I just had to remind myself, like similar to what, what Keisha just said, was like, I was invited to be here. You know, like I am wanted here and that's for a reason. Like I am contributing to this conversation, you know? So like I had to check my own records and remind myself um, and speak truth back to myself. But I think that is something that... Um, as the opportunities have grown along with the excitement has also been for me, the potential for imposter syndrome to, to kick in. And so mm. I think it's like a muscle that I've had to exercise. So it's not so much that it doesn't happen, but getting to know myself better and having mechanisms in place so that I can more quickly combat it. Yeah. I would say uh, for me, it goes, it goes like a roller coaster. It goes up and down for me. So, um, and that, it usually starts at the beginning if I'm starting like a new project or if I'm starting like a new gig, as Sharice was saying. Um, but I will say at one organization specifically, uh, it was, it, you know, as a top-notch organization and, you know, everybody there is an expert. Mind you, those quotation marks, an expert. So when they drew me in, I was like, oh, ooh, you know, we're, we're on a different play, playing field now. Everybody knows what they're talking about. So probably with like the first month, I'm, I'm just listening and I'm getting all this information that these experts are, you know, spouting off. So probably after about a month, I realized these experts really don't know what they're talking about. So I'm sitting there, you know, with, you know, just a, a bit of imposter syndrome. At the same time, I'm like, these people really have no idea what they're talking about. <laughs> Because a lot of the times, okay, just the background. So I have a history background. So when people say historical things, sometimes in my mind, I'll be like, that's not true. That's not true. That's not true. So I found myself saying that a lot. And I'm like, Amy, you're questioning these people. Mm. And, you know, they graduated from, you know, the Harvards and the MIT. But I'm like, that doesn't mean anything because they have no idea what they're talking about. So after about a month of being in that space, I started to speak up and say, you know, well, actually, well, actually, so when I get to the, well, actually, you know, not only am I going to give you a historical perspective, I'm going to give you some data as well right, to back right. it up. So then it got into, you know, the, the, the looking at me like, well, who does she think she is? And when people started looking at me and, you know, you know, having an attitude with me for some odd reason that built my confidence because I wow. knew then I knew that what I was talking about. So a lot of the times I feel that when we do have imposter syndrome, because, you know, we're comparing ourselves to other people, more than likely they probably have it too, because mm. they've read your accolades. They hired you. They know what you can bring to the table. So a lot of times they will probably try to overexert themselves or, mm -hmm. you know, try, try to show how smart they are to compare to you when in actuality as I stated earlier, you probably deserve the biggest seat at the table because although others are deemed as experts, more than likely you are actually the expert. And, you know, mm -hmm. when you bring that, you know, truth to power and, you know, literally tell yourself and believe in yourself and make sure you're like, I'm not crazy. This is actually what it is. It, it really changes like the perspective of how you come off, what you say. And I would say, you know, in my current organization, that's how it is literally right now. Like, I'll, well, we're not at work anymore, but I'll walk in the Zoom room and, <laughs> you know, I'll hear people say things and, you know, old Amy would just sit there and be like, okay. And then, you know, write a letter to my boss going, let me tell you why this is not true. But right. new Amy is like, well, actually, <laughs> it's exactly what it is. And then I'm also asking, you know, and it's not to down people, but I'm also asking, well, what is your experience with this? 
Mm. How do you know this? Where did you read this at? Have we brought these people in that you're talking about? So it's, like I said, it goes up and down. But when you get that confidence and you get that power within yourself, when you realize all those years of school were not in vain, <laughs> it completely changes your entire perspective, uh, perspective as well as the narrative. Because like I said, most of the time you literally are the expert in the room. You just have to literally dig into that power and believe it. Yes. Yeah. No, that I think that is great because really, and this is something that I've been learning as well, is, you know, expertise is, it's really relative, right? And just because somebody has done, especially in our culture, we have very specific things of, you know, historically, you know, certain names, certain brands, certain award conferences that people are associated with, certain professional organizations that people are associated with, and even, you know, extracurricular organizations. It's kind of like if you're in these things, then you are considered, you know, the real expert. And anybody who is not in in XYZ category, organization, association, you know, your opinion doesn't really count for much, right? But then now when we're looking at who made that, you know, who decided <laughs> that this group of people are the experts and these group of people are not. And so I really liked, Amy, how you were saying in the beginning that you can't discount anybody's experience. And so as you develop those experiences, that is when your confidence grows because you're saying, okay, no, based on what I've done here, here, and here, based on what I've seen here, here, and here, based on the work that I've done here, here, and here, this is what I can speak to. And this is reality for me. And so I can now come to the table with this. And just because it's different from your reality doesn't mean that I'm not an expert or that my perspective is not valid. And so I think it's really important. And just for anybody who's watching or listening, who might even be wrestling with this, I definitely would like to encourage everyone that, you know, we're all experts in something, you know, and so whatever it is where our knowledge and our experiences have taken us, you know, we're able to speak to those things. And just because we may not know something that, you know, the majority of people that we're around have experienced, that doesn't mean that, oh, we have to take a back seat because we don't know what these people are talking about. So that's really something that I'm hoping is coming out in all of the, you know, diversity, equity, inclusion um, buzzwords that are also coming into play now. I really hope that a tangible and actionable outcome of those conversations is helping people to feel value and saying, you know, you didn't have to graduate from Harvard or MIT or, you know, XYZ in order to make yourself to, in order to be respected and in order for your perspective to, to be valued. Yeah, I think that's great, Samantha, you hit on something and that's something that has actually helped me. I think a lot of times, like you say, when we use the word expert, um, the imposter syndrome sometimes can kick in because we feel like we don't deserve to be in a place because, oh, I don't know enough about this or I'm not as well versed in this particular topic. But we've all kind of said it. If they've invited you to the table, it's for a reason. So it's even sometimes getting past the fact that you feel like you need to be an expert and bringing your own opinion. People didn't become experts overnight. Like no yeah. one wakes up and just knows everything. So sometimes it's even getting past the fact that, oh, I don't deserve to be here because I don't know enough, but being confident enough to say, hey, I'm at the table. I may not know at this moment, but I have the ability to go and bring back and produce. You know, I'm able to bring something new, you know, to change the conversations, to bring a different perspective. And again, being in technology is constantly changing, right? Something that's hot today, three weeks from now, we may be talking about something totally different. Right. So for me, it, it was also getting past that point of, well, I, you know, they're certified in this particular area and saying, hey, I'm not, but I can get the certification. Right. It's OK. <laughs> you yep. know, and knowing that, again, 
getting past the narrative of, I don't want, for me, it, it also was interesting. I would think, I don't want people to think that I'm being prideful. So mm. I would mask, I would mask my imposter syndrome as humility, but really wow. I was feeling like, oh, well, I don't want them to know this. So I'll just be quiet because, you know, I, I want to be humble. And it's like, no, Keisha, you speaking your mind, you bringing your knowledge to the table, it doesn't change the fact that you're not a humble person. So right. we sometimes even take things and we mix it and we we change it because we don't want people to feel like, like Sharice was saying, the higher you go, the different levels that you get, um, you know, people will look and say, well, how old are you? People have asked me that. How old are you? That's like, so real. Old enough to be here. It's like I would start I noticed that I started to change who I was because I didn't want people to think, oh well, I don't want them to think that I think I'm better than them because I got this promotion or it's like you didn't ask for this. You've worked hard and people have recognized what you bring to the table and that doesn't change who you are as a person, you know. So speaking your mind and and feeling like you deserve to be at a place doesn't change the fact that you're not humble, you know? Right. So I, that was like a huge aha moment for me that I really was masking it as, Oh, you know, I just don't want people to think that I think I'm better than, and it's like, no, Keisha, you feel like you don't deserve to be here. And when yeah. I was honest with myself about that, and I think it's also got easier because like I mentioned earlier, having conversations with other people senior VPs, senior managers, executives who experience the same thing. I'm like, well, hey, I'm not by myself. Right. You know, it really brings some comfort to it. Um, and, and it helps to, again, change the narratives because there are always going to be two narratives. There are going to be the one person who thinks they belong and the other ones who, you know, feel like they don't. And you just have to decide which seat, you know, you, you want to be in. Yeah. That's good. That's really, really good. Really, really good. So I guess I would say to um, Keisha, you brought up the point about confusing the, you know, imposter with humility, right? So what does it look like to show up confidently without being arrogant? Yeah, I can I can go ahead and start on that one just because it's something that I've been kind of dealing with. Yeah. Um, for me, what it looks like is I acknowledge everyone in the room. You know, I'm able to show up in my authentic self. Right. So if that means that I am not sure about a topic, if I'm confused or I need clarity about something, so it's really just being my being myself, right? Humility just for me, it just means that I don't think I'm better than anyone else. Um, arrogance is I walk in the room and I'm the expert on imposter syndrome. So everything that you all have to say really doesn't matter. So if for me, it's balancing um, compassion, just yeah. compassion for people, right? Just we're all human beings, you know, we all work hard and but also just knowing in the back of my mind, I don't have to prove myself to anyone, right? So the perfectionist in me will always feel like I have to prove myself, I have to do this. So that's when the arrogance would come out, right? Because well, I need to let Amy know that I know more history than she does. So now we're going to you know, go back and forth or I have to let Sharice know that I read up on all these different law um, background you know, and it's like you get into this competition and, and it's like people are not even thinking about that stuff. Yeah. Right. So it really just the humility, humility for me is, again, the compassion for people, knowing that I'm no better than the VP. I'm no better than the person who cleans the bathroom. Right. Because we all are human beings. Right. I could lose my job today or tomorrow, my title doesn't define me, right? And I think that's what it is. People get caught up in the titles. So when you're caught up in the title, like when I started out as just an assistant or an analyst, 
it's a little bit different. But then when you start to move up to an associate manager, you know, a senior manager, you feel like you have to change who you are because of a title. Mm. But at the end of the day, I'm still Keisha. Right. right. So it's really just about the humility is feeling proud of my accomplishments, but remembering that I'm not the only person in the world, you know, and that there are other people who have something to say. And I always think about how other people would feel. Um, and I remind myself, I want to treat people the way I want to be treated, right? We, we say it all the time, but how does that look in our day-to-day like interactions, not just in the workplace, but you know, anywhere. Um, so it, it just boils down to having compassion for people and remembering that I'm not defined by my title. So if I'm not defined by my title, I have no need to be arrogant because I don't have anything to prove to anyone. I produce. My work speaks for itself. Yes. And I just do that and keep it moving. <laughs> That's excellent. I couldn't have said it better. Couldn't have said it better. I think that also everything that, I mean, I totally agree with everything Keisha said, literally everything, every single (laughs) thing, every single word that also can be played into like, if you're managing a team. Mm. So even though like you're the manager, the director, whoever you are, you have to remember there's people on your team who may know more than you. That's good. And that is totally fine. My grandma always says, if you walk into the room and you smartest one in there on everything, that's a problem because you should be constantly learning. So right. the um, team of two that I currently manage, um, you know, one of my uh, team members, she's been at our organization for almost 10 years and she just got promoted to my team last year. Mm. Because, you know, people were looking at her as, you know, she's been here at this role for however long and then that's it. So I made it a point, you know, I got to know her and I'm like, yo, this girl is brilliant. So anything that any project that I'm on, I always bring her in always because you, I don't want people just to know my perspective on things. Like if we're talking about DEI, you know, the current buzzwords right now, you know, we're talking about DEI. Okay. So we need to have diverse perspectives then is no, it's not just, well, what Amy said, it's right. Well, Amy said is right, but guess what? Her team member also said this because they have a completely different lived experience than, you know, and it probably more than likely, it probably aligns more with the project. So, and then lastly, you know, having that compassion, having that empathy, you know, you give the same respect to the person who is cleaning the bathrooms that you give to the president. I am not, Samantha, you know me, I am not moved by titles, nor have I ever been moved by titles. I don't care who you are. If I see you treat people like trash, you have lost all respect for me because I, it shows me how you got to where you are. Mm. And that's where I don't want to be. And just one last example, one job that I worked at, my um, assistant, <laughs> she wanted to go to school during you know lunch hours and maybe an hour of actual work to start her master's degree. The leadership was like, well, you know, it's up to you. you. You know, since you're her supervisor, it's up to you to sign off on that paperwork. You know, I want everybody to be great. You know, get, do what you got to do. Because if you don't want this job forever, I'm going to do what I can to help you move on. And I was like, okay, I have no problem with signing off on it. But what they said to me after that, it was, well, who's going to answer your phones? Me. Wow. <laughs> I, <laughs> who, who else is going to? I was like, me. Well, what about answering emails? Me, like, I know how to answer phones. I know how to, you know, answer an email. I know how to use a printer. And it's like, what humbles me is that even from the very first job I ever had, which was McDonald's for two weeks, I still know the basics. I know exactly what I'm doing with or without the assistance of someone. Mm -hmm. And I, I have found that when people get higher and higher, those simple skill sets tend to go away. And it's like, well, it's not on my calendar. How do I put it on my calendar? How do you not know how to use Microsoft? I don't, I don't, I don't, I, like, is, is it when you become whatever? Like, it's just, is that a, a skill set that leads? No, because guess what? Like Keisha said, I could lose my job tomorrow and end up being, you know, someone's assistant. 
I can't walk in there without that skill set. I need to know how to do those things. So it's it's having compassion, having empathy, keeping your own self humble and realizing, you know, not to get preachy on y'all. God put you in that position for a reason. The Lord giveth and the Lord will surely take away. Try him. That's all I'm saying. Try him. Try him the positive way. Try him the negative way. Come on. Try him and he will check you real quick. I got to say amen to that, sister. (laughs) (laughs) We knew the the Reverend Dr. Amy Cole Smith was going to come out. I tried to leave that title off, but you brought it up. So there you go. But this has been such an amazing conversation. I value each and every one of your perspectives and experience. And I really hope that this is encouraging to everyone who is watching and listening. So just as we close out, I would really love if each one of you ladies could just close with a bit of advice to a younger woman, a younger you, or even just someone who is really wrestling with that imposter syndrome and needs a boost of encouragement? What would you say to them? I would just say to remember that you have value and the things that you're doing have value um, and that, you know, they in in every space, in every capacity, and you already have things that you can share. Um, You know, there are people who are looking to you and you don't even realize it and you're having an impact. And um, to extent, you know, there are areas you want to grow, like growth is great. Like it doesn't um, take away from what you're already doing, um, you know, and that's just how we continue to to go um, to our our next path, you know, next point on our journey. And it is a journey. So I would just say, like, you're already doing it. And, you know, just to, to take time to pause and just um, to just receive it, you know, whether it's coming from other people or whether it's you, you know, um, just thinking back and reflecting on the things that you've done yourself. I agree with uh, what Cherie said. Um, what has helped me write down what what you've done. And that's beyond, you know, like the academics and you know, like your position. Just literally write down what you've done and realize that everything you've done, you've done has, has brought you to where you're at. The confidence that you had when you applied for that position brings that same energy to the job. And, you know, realize that, They hired you for a reason. And if they didn't hire you, they didn't hire you for a reason. But that means that there's always greater, always. So when you're in the room full of those people and you're feeling like, oh, they're smarter than me, they're not. I'm telling you, most of the time they are not. Bring your energy to the room. You know, I'm all about observing first. If you want to go my route and observe first, totally fine. But bring your energy to the room, bring your knowledge to the room, bring your skill set, bring your lived experience to the room, because that may be the one thing that they're missing. And if you're sitting there saying, well, I'm not as smart, trust and believe you're probably smarter. I'm telling you, I'm, I'm, I'm dead serious. And that's not even like a humble brag. More than likely, you are smarter than probably half the people in the room. So keep that energy, bring it and just realize imposter syndrome is real, but there are so many ways for you to lessen that stigma that you have in your mind of yourself. You're smart, you're beautiful, you know what you're doing. And if you really need more confidence, just wear a really good heel, you'll be all right. Yes, I love it. I totally agree. Um, I would just add to that. Know that you're not alone. Um, Know that you are not the only one who struggles, you know, with these thoughts, with these limiting self-beliefs. But also ask yourself, what's the consequence of believing them, right? What um, could you miss out on? What opportunities could you not see because you allow this kind of negative self-talk to um, cripple you? Sometimes the fear, there is only one of you, right? So that boardroom, that meeting, that Zoom call, that conference call, they may never see you again. And you want to make sure that you leave your mark um, no matter where you go. And kind of similar to what Amy was saying earlier, God has given us everything that we need, right? Even if we don't see it at that moment, where we're going, the positions that we're going to be in, it's all a constant 
we're, we're all always evolving, right? So where you are today is not where you're going to be tomorrow. Um, and ask for help. I think a lot of times, too, we get in these places, we've had these doubts, we feel alone, we feel afraid. Sometimes just reaching out to someone, finding an advocate, finding someone that can kind of help you through those moments could be really, really important. I know for me in struggling with imposter syndrome, that has been one of the greatest things to kind of get me past that hump, which is just being honest enough to say, I'm on these calls sometimes, I'm in these meetings, and I don't always feel like I deserve to be there. And having someone tell me, no, you do, Keisha, like you do have value. We need each other, right? We're not meant to to live this life, this work life on an island. Um, and just know that, like we've all been saying, you have value. You deserve to be in these places um, and, and sit at that table, you know, occupy those spaces. And even if it feels uncomfortable, it's just like with new shoes, right? You first put them on, you know, your toe might feel a little funny, but if right. they're cute. You're going to keep walking in them, right? <laughs> Until you're going to keep walking in those shoes. And before you know it, it's like you have that heel on like it's nothing. Um, so I would just encourage, you know, that person who does struggle in it, again, to remember that they are not alone, that they do have value, and that the world, the workplace, whatever space that they're in, um, you know, we, we need them. And to really just walk in and own in that even if it's one day at a time, because sometimes literally that's what it is. Excellent. Excellent. Well, that is a great note to end on. Thank you, ladies, so much for taking your valuable time today to join for this final episode of our first podcast season. If you're watching this on YouTube, there are several other uh, YouTube videos that you can watch uh, from both this year and last year. So definitely take a listen to those if you have not already. Thank you all so much again. I hope that you all have enjoyed this season of confidence and creativity and stay tuned when we will be back for the next season. Take care, everyone. Thanks so much for joining us today. We would love to know what you thought about today's show. If you enjoyed it, please give us a five-star rating, leave us a comment, and share with a friend. I'm your host, Samantha McCoy, and you can find me on Instagram at smccoyjoy. That's S-M-C-C-O-Y joy. If you're a business owner in need of public relations or communications support, reach out to us at missionkeycommunications.com. We also want to hear about your confidence and creativity journey. Send us an email or DM with your story and you might be featured on an upcoming show. Until next time, show up confidently. 